Good morning. All right, a couple of things. Number one, I'm aware of the time. I'm going <laughs> to abbreviate it a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'll tell you why in a minute. Y'all, y'all have handled some things already this morning that I was going to do, and now it's not necessary. Um, I'm excited about today. If, if you have spent much time around me, you probably have figured out that one of my love languages is words of encouragement. Um, and so today is really special for me because today is about encouraging you guys, it's uh, where we are in the text. Last week we looked at uh, a, a couple of the last two weeks, we looked at some difficult passages dealing, and last week dealing specifically with salvation and the question of whether or not we can lose that. Um, I shared with you guys six common views of that passage. We kind of took a deep dive into the last one, which is the one that I feel is most, the most appropriate interpretation. Um, but the passage itself is very ambiguous, um, and there's some room there to kind of move around in terms of interpretation, which makes it kind of difficult if we're honest with one another. And so we took some time last week to kind of bring some clarity um, to that, and, and the, the answer for me and hopefully for you as well is that no we can't lose our salvation and we know that because there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation and therefore it stands to reason that there's also nothing that we can do to cause us to lose that it's a work of God in our lives and and we are not God and so we cannot affect that the last two sections we we covered come kind of as a pause as an interlude if you will in this book of Hebrews if you'll remember before we got to this section uh, the author of Hebrews was going through the process of kind of explaining or making the case that Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And in the middle of that, we see this interlude really to grab the church's attention, to, to pause and say, look, we're fixing to dive into some things that are a little bit more theological, a little bit more weighty. And so I want to get your attention. I want to make sure we're all on the same page as we move forward. And his goal is to encourage the church, right? To say, these are the things that that we know, we hold together as truth. And he's challenging them to continue progressing in their relationship with Jesus, progressing in their faith, to not become stagnant, not to, to pause because life has gotten difficult. And he does this also to, in order to, to protect them and to encourage them, to remind us that Jesus meets us right where we are. doesn't matter what phase of life we're in or where we are in our relationship with Jesus, whether we have one or we don't have one, God meets us exactly as we are. And then he exhorts them to continue to grow in their understanding. Last week, he challenges those who have joined the church to consider their own salvation, to ask themselves the question, are they just going through the emotions and attempting to look like a follower of Jesus without actually relying on him or having a relationship with him? While that's a hard message, what a, a kind and loving thing to share with the church, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. You know, it's Often when somebody's gone to a church for a long time and you ask them about their salvation, that can come across as insulting, right? But it's incredibly loving to do that, to be sure. I remember having a relationship with my grandmother many years ago because I didn't know where she stood with the Lord. And so I just straight up asked her while we were riding in the car one day, and I was really fearful of her response. Not that she wouldn't be saved, but that she would feel um, disrespected or something in that nature of that question and she didn't she responded and said yes I gave my life to the Lord she told me when and where and what church it was at and it was at a Baptist church which was surprising to me because I thought she was Catholic and so anyway that's another story for another day but she really appreciated that and, and as I thought about this passage that's the emotion that I tend to fall back to that as we're talking about the hard things that's an incredibly loving thing to do is to have a difficult conversation It'd be easy to look at these two sections and think that the author is only um, 
has harsh words for the church and that he's disappointed in some way in them. But as we're about to see, that is absolutely not the case. And so this morning we're going to read Hebrews chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 9 through 12 and then uh, we're going to have a little word of encouragement this morning. And so the author says, even though we are speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case we are confident of the things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust, he will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Now, we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end, so that you won't become lazy, but you will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Now, as we look at those, these three, I've broke them into three sections in the last couple of weeks. It would be easy to look at those and go, wait a minute, this guy is so flip-floppy, is he mad at him or not, right? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and, or, or in a discussion and you can't figure out if they're upset or if they're not upset or if they just had anybody raise their hands where you're not real sure what's going on? I kind of feel like that when we approach this passage. And as I was thinking about that this week, um, many of, of our people are teachers, right? Or they've been in leadership in some way. And one of the things you discover in leadership roles or a teacher in a classroom, whether that's Sunday school or, or, a, or public school or whatever, is that you got a lot of people on a lot of different levels. And one of the challenges of a teacher is to teach in a way that it, that it affects, that it hits each person where they are, right? Have you experienced that before? All the teachers in here absolutely have. You got to address a whole crowd of people but hit all those different levels. And I think that's what the author of this book is doing. That he's writing these, these, this letter to, in, with the intent of it being distributed to many churches. And so as we read these passages over the last three weeks, I want us to keep in mind that it's not that he's flip-floppy or that he can't decide how he feels. It's that he's addressing a lot of different people because not everyone in the group is necessarily on the same level. Their difference could be developmental. You think about it in the classroom, you could have varying ages, um, we were talking, I was talking with one of the staff members the other day about when we get ready to reopen our Sunday school classes and what we're going to offer, because I don't know if y'all have looked around a whole lot, but there's not a ton of adults in here um, on a Sunday morning. That's okay, that's where we are, but if we tried to open every classroom, we'd have all of the adults and all of the kids in there and me and about three people in here, right, if you do the math out. And so we're talking about how we're going to combine classes. Well, different developmental levels, you can't have the toddlers and the fifth graders in the same room. That's not going to be fun for anyone, right? Maybe for the toddler, maybe for the fifth grader, but certainly not for the teacher, okay? The differences could be uh, just an experience, just maybe in your work environment. You have more experience in a particular area than the people that you're working with, and so that can cause some tension or at least make it difficult when communicating. The differences could be cultural you know, we, we talk about that regularly in our ministry here in this community is that the culture that I grew up in is very different than the ones that these kids live in, these adults live in. It could be generational. The way I approach things and the way you approach things may be different. It's certainly the way I approach things is different than the way that my father approaches things or, or his father did. But regardless of why they're different, the fact is, is it's difficult to teach all those groups at the same time. When we read these verses today, we're witnessing the teacher addressing a group of people with a wide range of experiences with God. And so as we've gone through these last three Sundays, it's been challenging for me because most of us are in a place that we should be, right? We're, we're actively involved in ministry. And when we read these verses today, we're, we're witnessing this, this wide range. And, and so it, that has been real for me. 
these last couple of weeks. The last two weeks as we're talking about people that are, are drinking milk when they should be eating meat. My struggle is, as I, as I look around, I don't see anybody that's still just drinking milk when they should be eating meat. But the scripture's here. I can't bypass it, right? We're working our way through the book. And so we got to address those things. And so I believe when, when, um, when we're looking at this, we see these swings in tone because the author needs to address at least four different groups of people. He's got new believers in the audience. He's got uh, what I'll call stagnated believers, believers that have just kind of hit the pause button on their relationship with God. There's people who are pretend believers who are acting like followers of Christ, but without actually following him. And then there's what I'll call seasoned believers, people that have, have been in a relationship with Jesus for quite a while and are very comfortable in listening and doing what he's called us to do. The author wrote this with the intent of it being distributed, and there's no doubt that he was relying on the Holy Spirit as this letter was going out to, to land on the ears of the hearers in a way that they needed to hear it, regardless of their spiritual condition. And so each week, I've had that same challenge. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit to speak through me, and that it falls on your ears in the way that He intends. If you've missed those last two messages, I would encourage you to, to go back and listen to those because for me, they've been, they've been quite a blessing. In the final part of this short interlude, we see this word of encouragement. And as I've studied this passage this week, what came to mind is, is each of you guys. And I, I took um, some time this week, and I'll, I'm not going to go through it as I intended, because, uh, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, but all, y'all see all, can y'all see that green line on there? All of that green line is stories about you. Each one of your names are on this list. And what I took the time to do was to stop and to sit and to think about each person in this room and some that are not here today. And I thought about the ministry that God has them doing in their own lives and in the life of this church right now. And can I just tell you, I am so encouraged. The testimonies this morning are the reason that I'm not going to read through that list Think about the things that we've heard. Michelle today came out and shared. And what was Michelle's desire as, through that experience? It wasn't about her. It was about being a blessing to someone else. That's spiritual maturity. We heard the testimony this morning from Bethany about the things that not she's doing in this community. She's a part of that. But the things that this church is doing in this community. It's significant. And people are seeing the love of God through you guys. Not through one of us, not through a couple of us, but through the church. I was thinking about Rachel specifically as I was going through this list this week because she shared testimony about her job before and, and I cannot imagine the difficulty that comes. And I would like to say to you that God is using you, who you are in Him, in that environment. That's significant. God has created us to be a particular way and to love others in a particular way. And as I, as I look at each of you in this room this morning, and I think about the ministry that God is doing in your life, it is significant. Not just to me and not just to you, but the people that we are doing life with. And I love the, the, the cohesiveness as Rachel's sharing this morning about all the different organizations that she has to work with. And I think about the connections that God has given us as a church recently and how the Lord could very easily work those things together. And all of a sudden, we as the gathering place people whose desire is to walk in obedience to God, to love people well, 
that God is putting us in places where we have a voice to say, let's approach this as God would approach it. Let's approach this in a loving way. I don't know if you guys noticed this morning when you're coming in, but there's a lot of sheriff's deputies out here on the road. And this morning I got to walk over there. I didn't get to. I chose to walk over there to see what was going on because we have families that live in that neighborhood. And I was worried about them. I didn't know what was going on. I have a friend in the sheriff's department. He gave me a little bit of information what he was hearing on the scanners. And so I walked over when my intent was to just say to the deputies that were there at the gate, hey, we've got some families that live here. I was curious if something's going on with one of them. If it is, can I help in any way? We've got some relational equity there that I could leverage to try to help alleviate whatever the situation is. And so he told me the apartment wasn't somebody that I knew. But there are two gentlemen who live in that community who are standing there. And so they're kind of listening to this conversation I'm having with the deputy. When I got done, I walked over and introduced myself. And now they know that there's a a pastor that's here, there's a church here that loves this community enough to walk over and say, can I help? Can we be a part of of healing whatever is going on here today? And that didn't happen because I went over there with a plan. Got my tracks, I'm going to go over here and tell these people about Jesus. I was just concerned, I was worried. If I'd rolled up to your house and the sheriff's deputies are there, I'm going to have a conversation, see what's going on, see what you did wrong, what you didn't do wrong, what's happening here? Not because I'm nosy, but because I love you. And here's what I see happening in the life of our church is that all of you guys are doing that in different ways. You are being who you are as God has called you to be, loving the people around you. And that's that's all God's asked of us is to just be his and do what he's asked us to do. And you guys are doing that. And it is so, so incredible to be a part of. I wanted, this morning I wrote down all of these details and it would have taken me about 10 minutes to walk through that. And it's, and it's a brief little paragraph about each of you and the things that you're doing. If you'd like to see what I was going to say about you after the service, I'd be happy to share that with you. It won't be surprising to you. You're aware of what you're doing, okay? But not only has it, have I never been a part of a group of people like this before, I pray that that what we have continues to grow and to grow and to grow. As I'm reading this passage, my thoughts are on you. And I want you to listen to this again, picking up in verse 10. It says, For God is not unjust. He will, he will not forget your work and the love that you demonstrated for His name by serving the saints and continuing, continuing to serve them. As I read that, I think about the areas of ministry that each and every one of you are involved in. And I want you to hear the Lord say that he's pleased with you, that I am pleased with you, that we love you and we appreciate all of you doing that. It says, now we desire uh, of each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until this end, so that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. And I want to say this this morning. Because this happens in my life often, and I know it happens in yours. Just like you, um, I'm continually encouraged by the members of this church. You all love one another and the people that God's put in your life so well. And that's demonstrated week after week. But similar to the church where this letter is written, each of us face circumstances on a weekly basis that tempt us to hit the pause button, to step away, and to say, I need to deal with me right now. 
As life circumstances change, there's this temptation to pause for ministry because it appears that it would be too difficult to continue on. And the enemy is so good at convincing us that we cannot maintain the pace. And he's not wrong. We can't. When I was thinking about this passage this week, the song from Shane and Shane, Embracing Accusation, was just playing in my mind. And if you haven't heard that song before, go give it a listen. But he talks about all the things that the enemy whispers in our, ear about, in our ear about the fact that we're not good enough and we can't do it. And then the refrain of that song is, he's right. And God didn't intend for us to be good enough or to work hard enough. God intends to work through us. God doesn't want us to attempt to accomplish his task in our power. He wants us to walk in obedience to him and let him work through us. If we go down that that list that I made of the people in this room, almost every person has faced in the past or is currently facing something that's very difficult. As a church, we've faced so much, and yet all of you are more involved in ministry than you've ever been. And I love the openness that we share because this morning as Debbie was sharing what's going on with Jasper, immediately I thought, Hannah and Nick need to talk to Bethany and Mickey. Because what are the chances that you, that these immune diseases that we've had, had struggles with are incredibly rare. And the fact that God has put us together in a way that we can encourage one another is, is mind-boggling to me. And I, I want to make sure that I'm clear this morning that um, being a part of what God is doing is not just about us doing stuff and calling it God's activity, right? And we know that. But taking an honest look at our activity is helpful when those hard times come to, to look at what we're doing in our life and asking the Lord, am I doing the things that you've asked me to do? Because the work that you're letting God do in your life is a good way to gauge your relationship with him. I want to pull out a couple of passages this morning to kind of tie a bow on this. He says, this is how, this is 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. So this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know we belong to the truth and we will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. When I look at your lives, each of you, I see loving, not just word, but in deed. I see you sacrificing yourself, sacrificing your time, your resources in order to provide for others. And I could look at each one of you and give examples of that. We don't have time for that today. But I want you to know that this, y'all already know this, this is my first pastorate. And I, I know a lot of preachers. And I know what they have said about their first pastorates. And I want you to say those words don't come out of my mouth. This has been such a blessing. And I so look forward to what God has for us in the future. That this is not the end. It's not over. I'm not going anywhere. Don't panic. I want you guys to know how much I love you. And how much I love getting to do life and do ministry with all of you. It is an incredible blessing. I'm confident that the, the church that the author of Hebrews is writing to had similar experiences where people were, were doing really well and then life hits them in the face and they kind of hit pause for a minute. That's, that's pretty normal. 
But what I want us also to remember is that when those times happen, we need to ask God what's going on and ask Him how to respond to that. And sometimes a pause is good. Sometimes He tells you to take a break, and that's okay. But we need to ask the question and then respond accordingly. The life and the vitality of, that our church experiences is a result of, uh, if you look at James chapter 2, we're not going to read that this morning, but go back and look at that later. We, we can talk about it in life groups. But the life and the vitality that the church experiences is the result of what James would call a complete faith. You know, James is famous for talking about faith and works. He says, show me that you have faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. He's saying that those two come together, that you have a complete faith when your faith informs what you do and how you do it. And that's what I see when I look at this church. As a group of people who aren't just doing things because they've been asked to do them, but because God has called them to it. And they love it. This series has been about sharing our stories, and I've loved hearing your stories this week and, and the weeks prior. And I cannot wait to hear more. When people ask about our church, I don't talk about numbers because that's not impressive and I wouldn't anyway. <laughs> I don't talk about our facilities. I don't talk about anything other than getting to regurgitate your stories. And it's so fun when other people ask me how our church is doing. Be like, well, let me tell you a story of what God's doing in the life of this person. And if it's personal, I won't share it. But if you share it in here on Sunday morning, I'm probably going to repeat it to somebody. Because it's so cool, right, to see God tie all these things together and for us to get to experience that together. At the end of this passage, the author tells his purpose for this encouragement. We looked at this last week in, in verse 12. It says, so that he's saying this, he says, so that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. And we talked about last or two weeks ago, that word lazy can also be uh, translated as negligent. And so the word of encouragement the author is giving the, the, the church is that he sees their works. It is evident that the Lord is working through them, but he wants to encourage them that when things get difficult, don't hit the pause button. Don't neglect your faith, but press in. Ask God what he's doing. I love the testimony from Rachel this morning that she's got this job, not real sure what God's doing, but she's on for the ride. Such a great attitude to have. And it's an attitude that I've heard from you guys over and over and over again. So I want to include all, I encourage all of us, and I include myself in that, to persevere every day. Follow God's lead. When, when the tough stuff happens, share that with your group of people. God's called us to live in community. And when things are hard, we can uplift one another, we can help one another, and we can encourage one another. God has so much more in store for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on it because this has been so much fun. And I cannot wait to see what God has for us in the future. It seems like every week, God is just continually propelling us forward into something. I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. So thank you guys so much. Let's press on together. Let's discover what God is calling us to do as a church, and then let's pursue that together. Let's pray, and then we've got a couple other things we need to do. Father, I thank you so much for the testimonies this morning for people's willingness to share what's going on in their life, whether it's difficult or it's easy. God, I ask that you would uh, continue to encourage all of us to, to pursue you when life gets hard. Let's talk about it. Let's be authentic with one another. And let's ask you how we should proceed forward from there. Father, 
I am so thankful for this church body and for the love that they have for you and for one another. God, I ask that as we move forward this week that you would encourage each of us, Father, that you would uplift us and you would give us opportunities to share our stories with other people so that they can get to experience the beauty of your church body. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a song that we've done pretty recently.